I want you to assume that perhaps at some time, since 1985 or 6, you addressed a member of the African-American race as a Is it possible that you have forgotten that act on your part? No, it's not possible. Are you therefore saying that you have not used that word in the past 10 years, Detective Furman? Yes, that's what I'm saying. And you say on your oath that you have not addressed any black person as a or spoken about black people as in the past 10 years, Detective Furman? That's what I'm saying, sir. So that anyone who comes to this court and quotes you as using that word in dealing with African Americans would be a liar, would they not, Detective Furman? Yes, they would. All of them, correct? All of them. Mr. Bailey, you can see how agitated he is, has been caught in a lie. Now he's standing up and hair splitting with us. I never said he said this to me. I just said he spoke to me personally. That's nonsense. That shows you what kind, what we have over here in the way of ethics on this side of the table. This is It Happened One Year, a look back at the events big and small, famed and forgotten from 1994. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. We're here. We're doing it. When are we doing it? Again. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. It's almost like we planned that. That was well executed, I would say. Yeah, it's, it's an improv. Where remember <laughs> like the one where you both say the same word at the same time and just see how that works? Cat. 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 We we're, were terrible at that. Not good. Yeah. So, yeah, here we are talking about it again. It happened yeah. one year, 1994. Yep. And I would say in this episode, we're bringing 1994 to 2001. Yeah, I think it's nice when 2000, uh, 2001, 2021. <laughs> when 2021 presents us with stuff to talk about, because it doesn't happen too, too much. But so far, we've managed to crank out a second love episode. Mm-hmm. And then another episode that was sort of a, what was it? Oh, it was Naked Gun 33 and a third was also sort of a third love episode. Yeah. Because that really wasn't connected to 2021 in any real meaningful way. No. I'm trying to think of follow-up episodes, but this one builds on the overall theme that we started way back in episode one. Yep. And also is because of 2021 events. So that's fun. That's yeah. fun. It's hard to talk about while being vague, but that is accurate. I mean, again, everybody who's listening can see the title of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Damn <So> it. <laughs> there are no surprises. I always forget that. Like, I feel like we're building a narrative here and we gave it, gave, gave it away. I mean, I guess it's possible if people just listen from one episode to the next or something. I don't know. And maybe it just this just starts and they're all like on the seat of their, you know, the edge of their seat now. Just like, ooh, what are we talking about? Yeah. And they're so disappointed when they find out we are talking about F. Lee Bailey. Get excited. Everybody's disappointed when F. Lee Bailey walks in the room, right? Amen. Yeah. Amen. Unless you're a criminal. I mean, that's true. He did manage to uh, to, you know, assist a lot of pretty guilty people. Yeah. We're talking about it because F. Lee Bailey died. June 3rd, 2021, a week before his 88th birthday. Yep. F. Lee Bailey, gone. We hardly knew ye, except we knew ye a fair amount. I say we knew ye enough. <laughs> we knew ye plenty. Plenty. <laughs> Calm it down, F. Lee Bailey. <laughs> Which then brought us to us just doing It's a Wonderful Life impressions as though F. Lee Bailey was the main character. <laughs> it's, uh, Sarah did not want to participate in that part of the story. No, I'm not. I'm not good at Jimmy Stewart impressions because they sound like John Wayne. 
Yeah, I, it's funny when it seems like when you need to do an impression of almost anybody, it eventually just turns into John Wayne. <laughs> I don't even hey, know why. pretty lady. Yeah, it does. It doesn't work for everybody. That's not my strength impression. So, F. Lee Bailey, was he a complete charlatan? What do you think? Yes. Oh. <laughs> no, I don't actually know oh what charlatan means. Oh, no. <laughs> I uh, thought I would say yes and you would go with me, but you seem surprised. So I think maybe I got it wrong. <laughs> no, I mean, I think you can make a case both ways. I think oh, uh, there's a lot and, of evidence pointing to the idea that he was a, an effective lawyer, but it's hard to say whether his lawyering was all on the up and up. And, yes. and that, thus, I think his picture is probably in the dictionary next to Charlatan. But yeah. at, at the same time, he, you know, maybe did good for some people. It's hard to say. Uh, so I'm also curious what the words next to charlatan in the dictionary say, but I think <laughs> what you're trying to say is he was a, a sleazy uh, uh, trickster. Is that right? Yeah. He was a bit yeah. of a con man. Yeah. Maybe I do know what charlatan means. <laughs> Suck it. Great work, dear. Context clues really came through for you. Yeah. <laughs> the context being F. Lee Bailey's career. <laughs> Very yes. nice. So with that, armed with new knowledge, yes, I do believe he was a Charlotte. He did lots of terrible things. Like, not only did he defend terrible people, but he did it in a sleazy way. Like, yeah. not no, great. Not and a great dude. And that's where we come in with 1994. Because yep. otherwise, F. Lee Bailey is just yet another kind of shady lawyer. But of course, he was a shady lawyer in the greatest group of shady lawyers ever assembled, OJ's Dream Team. Yes. So... F. Lee Bailey gets the uh, spotlight here tonight. Yeah, he uh, he participated in the Dream Team. He was credited, essentially credited, with winning the acquittal because of his racism-inducing cross-examination of Mark Furman. Yeah. And he, like, completely discredited Mark Furman, and uh, I don't think they ever recovered from that. Yeah, I mean, that does seem to have been the backbone of the defense in a lot of ways. So despite all of the evidence, and, you know, everyone's just you know, perceptions and whatever, uh, F. Lee Bailey may have been the most important member of that team, you know, right alongside Johnny Cochran with his, you know, theatrical glove work. Yeah. So well done. I mean, it's impressive that this worked, but also it was all driven by having all the money in the world and, oh, yeah. you know, and then convincing people that the LAPD was racist, which I also was pretty obvious. So yeah, I mean, great clearly. yeah, yeah. But that's yeah. actually where this uh, comes in today. And, and honestly, that's all there is to say about the OJ trial, right? Like, I mean, we've talked about different aspects of things. And again, the OJ trial was in 95, so it doesn't totally relate. But F. Lee Bailey is very much a, a central figure in everything that was happening right there at that in that sp uh, stretch of time. He was. So, and of, the, of the OJ trial, I mean, he's in the top six, eight people. <laughs> There's so many the people top, in that trial. In the top four uh, of the defense team. Oh, of the defense team. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it was like I mean, him, Shapiro, Cochran, Kardashian, right? That's the that's the group. Alan Dershowitz was in that group, and oh. um, I think there were other people. I'm sure they're the names, though. Yeah. Well, so it's interesting. The one of the things that I, I have two things to say about this. One is, uh, did you know that when Effie Bailey was working on the O.J. Simpson case, he was also working on another big case, the Claude DeBach case, which is the one that he eventually got disbarred for, essentially. Yeah. But he, yeah, he he worked two cases. I read that and I could not believe it. Like if I'm O.J. Simpson and I need to spend all my money to get people to convince the jury that I didn't kill my wife when I totally killed my wife I, I would be mad if my lawyers were like we're also just going to go do this other thing 
I'm not 100% on how the law works, but I, I think that most lawyers have multiple cases going oh, at the same time. Yeah, I think but it's yeah, really no, you're loud. right. The OJ trial should have taken precedence over everything. Sure should have. I I'm, I don't know how much else Marsha Clark was doing at that time. Just saying. I don't I, I mean, not a lot. She's a prosecutor. She probably had a bunch of like terrible cases going on on the side. I don't know. I still think her boss would be like, you know what? You can focus on this. This is important. This is important. It's yeah. on TV every day. Yeah. You should have the time to, to focus. But the other thing is, yes, there were other people working on the on the O.J. Simpson case, including one of the like, I don't know exactly what his title is, but I think someone who like supported or assisted the defense in the argument, not one of the main lawyers, but like some guy who also worked on the O.J. case with the defense team. And if you go to F. Lee Bailey Consulting dot com, which has since been like he's he's dead. So they haven't taken off their contact us uh, button, but he they have mentioned that he's dead. Um, there are two other people that work for this company. One is another guy who was basically like Sarah's interpretation, but fact finder or like support of the defense team during the OJ. And then like a, a comms person, like a like a brand am, like a brand builder kind of like that, marketing that, person. That's the whole company. So if you want marketing help or and then they they list his like areas of expertise and one of them is like aerial and nautical expertise because he's worked in those sectors a lot it's it's so random and i he was a he was a pilot in the navy in like korea so is it all come from that was that his like the backbone of his whole career was built on him being like a fighter pilot for a little while i mean it doesn't say that explicitly it just is that he has a lot of experience but basically like if you go to their i'm gonna pull up now if you go to their like areas of expertise oh it's uh it's Lee bailey who you can't work with anymore because he's dead um there's a guy named pat mckenna who was a licensed private he's a licensed private investigator in florida and he was like a parole officer early and then he was the lead investigator on the simpson case so seems like a great guy and then also a marketing and freelance writing professional so it's a wide range of services you can get from Lee bailey consulting but they do list all of his flight experience well, so, I mean, the interesting thing that you can't get from that is actual lawyering because he didn't, he couldn't practice law anymore after 2003, I think. Oh, yeah. He's a straight up consultant. Okay. Oh, here, here, here's what they can do for you they can help you with investigation, they can help you with trial preparation, they can help you with polygraphs, they can help you with editorial consulting. So, like editorial evaluation and guidance for books, websites, manuscripts, and they can help you with what they call aviation and marine, which is extensive experience in aviation, marine construction, operations, and safety programs. Very random set. Like, look, I've worked in consulting firms. You should have like a go-to-market strategy of like, here's who we are and here's what what we do. This firm did not have that. I mean, again, this seems like he probably backed into this career after the <laughs> law career dried up. So he was just like, I know, we'll be a consulting yeah. firm. Who cares? Whatever. And then- yeah you know, just drank himself through the the next couple decades and yes. good to go. And look at, I'm not disparaging F. Lee Bailey just out of hand. He, he did have a serious drinking problem. Mm. He lived to be 87. So, I mean, it wasn't, yeah. it didn't kill him, but you know, documented. Yeah. I read um, that Patty Hearst said he was drunk when he delivered like the closing argument in her case. And she thought that was why she like yeah. had to go to jail. Yeah. Yeah. It seems that F. Lee Bailey only managed to uh, help Patty Hearst not get the chair was basically yeah. his whole his whole helping her. But uh, yeah, but she still did get you know to do some time until her sentence was commuted, I yeah. think, by Carter or something like that. Yeah. They also said he kept a flask on the table during the Simpson trial and like 
Bob Kardashian or whoever was like, no, no, it's just coffee in a flask. Sure. He just likes his coffee in a flask. Who doesn't? Everybody likes to drink hot coffee out of a metal flask. <laughs> what a fun time. Uh, so, you know, I mean, at least he didn't let his career get in the way of what he really loved, which was probably drinking. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. Fun stuff. Committed. But that was probably about it. OJ trial wise. I mean, mm. Fleet Bailey, as much as like everybody had a part to play in that and how fun that was, it really was him cross-examining Furman that seems to be his like golden highlight of that whole experience. Who played yeah. F. Lee Bailey in the miniseries? Do you remember? I do remember. Um, well, there have been a couple, but I think in the main one, it, the main was, one. it was Nathan Lane, weirdly. Oh, okay. Who is like lovely and doesn't I feel like F. Lee Bailey to me. I wouldn't have thought of Nathan. I, I just couldn't remember. I remember like John Travolta being in it and, you know, Sterling K. Brown and everybody, yeah. but I can't remember who played. I couldn't remember who played F. Lee Bailey. I don't remember how important F. Lee Bailey was in that. I thought it more focused on the prosecution than it did on the defense. Yeah, but I mean, like, they, I showed, they showed a lot it, of Cuba Gooding. Like, they showed a lot of mm, that stuff. That's true. And, like, Courtney B. Vance was Johnny Cochran. But I don't remember every, you know, Schwimmer was in that, right? Oh, yeah, he played uh, Robert Kardashian, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. Who did who did uh, Cuba play? He played OJ. Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That yeah. makes sense, yeah. No, um, I only remembered because I read it. Like, I don't, I can't picture Nathan Lane as Ethley Bailey, but I read it in, like, yeah. in what we, in the little bit of research we did for this episode. So, yeah. and I remember being like, oh, yeah, I guess. I mean, like, he, he kind of, I guess I could see it, but it's I mean, just he's kind of, like, burly. Like, you could, I could see that, but I just can't picture him in the part. I don't remember him in that part. No, no. If you picture him in the birdcage and then try and picture him as Effie Bailey, it's yeah. very confusing. Very, very difficult. Yeah. But, look, Nathan Lane's a great actor. He could do anything, so oh. I'm sure he was great. I'm not saying Nathan Lane can't play Effie Bailey. Oh, Nathan yeah. Lane could have played OJ. I'm just saying. I can't totally. picture it. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Zay, you're out for a beer. What do you have? Beer. What if there wasn't any beer? Sorry, guys. Never heard of it. Oh, Zima. Zima's good. Zima? There you go. What is this? Oh, no. Zima's a unique alcohol beverage. I kind of like it. Anything else? Did you get pretzels? Mm. What day is this? So, let's say, for example, OJ wrote a book called If I Didn't Do It. <laughs> Who did it, Boots? <laughs> Who you got? Because, again, OJ was acquitted by the courts of the land and the people of the United States. Who, who, who was the real killer? OJ. <laughs> OJ did it. So I mean, we've been we started watching that show on HBO that Kate Winslet show, Mayor of Easton or whatever it is. East Town. East Town. I think it's Easton, right? It's at Allentown. Yeah. I don't know. But I don't like watching shows and trying to predict stuff that happens. I don't like watching murder mysteries and just trying to d dissect it for myself. So all I do is basically when somebody pops up who acts a little funny, I'll just say, oh, do you think the priest did it? Oh, do you think that guy did it. Uh, and that's how I watch these things. So if you were to step back and watch the OJ trial, uh, who do you think did, did, did Ashley Bailey do it? Was <laughs> no, it Johnny Cochran did it? Did Johnny Cochran did, did AC do it? Was it her sister? What was her sister's name? Uh, uh, Denise. Denise. Oh, no, you know who did it? Cato did it. 100%. He was at OJ's house. Was he? Was know. it like a maid? Did the butler do it? No, I think the houseboy did it. Oh, oh. he wasn't a houseboy. What was he? He was he a was guest. OJ's pool guest or something. But he wasn't there when they got killed. He was there when OJ got back. Yeah, no, I know. But oh, still. you think 
But he still I'm, he did it though. I'm sure he knew where Nicole lived. They were buds. Kato. Yeah. I don't know. It's my um, who else? So do you think Khloe Kardashian did it? She would have been what a kid, but yeah, probably not. I'm gonna she, usually I say yes when you make these suggestions, but I'm gonna go with no on Chloe. So not Chloe Kardashian. Not Chloe Chloe. Okay. I'll take that. Okay. So Furman did it. Furman definitely did it. Yeah. This I is would, what we do when Joe plays this game when we watch Mary of Easttown, too. And then there was a reveal at the end of the last episode that we're watching. I'm not going to say which episode. I'm not going to say which reveal. But I was like, oh, hey, you totally called that. And he was like, I called everybody. I called everybody. I did. Good point. Yeah. Did that guy do it? Did, did Guy Pierce do it? Did Roy from The Office do it? I, everybody. I'm throwing everybody under the bus. I think in the end, and I'm again, we haven't watched the whole show. So if I'm right, I, everybody can, minds can now be blown. I'm calling it Murder on the Orient Express. Everyone did it. Everyone did it. And in the end, Kate Winslet like takes her, puts everybody in the same room. Yeah. Like it was you and then you and you. So. All right. I'm going to throw another curveball in my prediction of Mayor of Easttown, which is totally what this episode should be about. And I'm going to say Kate Winslet did it. <laughs> I don't think anybody would see it coming. She got to the body and she was like, oh, no, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> but she does it with that weird Philadelphia accent that only pops up when she says like three different words. <laughs> I found her body in the water. There you go. Well played. Uh, but I think actually the reason I'm bringing all of this up, not just yes. to be, we need some filler here on the if I didn't do it part, but this whole defense was based basically on the original F. Lee Bailey trial, which is the trial of Sam Shepard. And, and this was basically how they went. The difference with the Sam Shepard trial, which we'll get to in a second, but the real key part was there were other suspects. <laughs> Where in OJ, there are no other suspects. And that's always been the problem. If, if, even if you really wanted to somehow defend the idea that it was just racist cops who framed OJ, that's fine. But there's never been another suspect of any serious note. I, I don't remember ever hearing about another suspect. It was only the idea that OJ was looking for the real suspects. Remember? <laughs> yes. That he needed to be released from his trial. Yeah. To go look for the real killer. Right. And that's what I always thought was so odd is the fact that I don't remember ever hearing another suspect at all be brought up. And maybe I'm wrong. Like maybe there are other rando theories about like it could be Ron Goldman's girlfriend. I don't know. Does Ron Goldman have a girlfriend? It was it was Nicole. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Like think... was there some other jealous person involved? I think the I think the running theory posed by like the defense was that it was like a rando attack and she was getting robbed or something. Oh, so a random, a random person stabbed both of them like a hundred times. Yeah. Which is why OJ did it. Like we all know OJ did it, but I'm just, I'm just saying, yes. I never, I've never heard uh, it connected to a person. Like I've never heard like this was a suspect, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I think their argument was it's no one that, you know, it is some random person out there. Right. Because that is the only argument that they can make that, because nothing else makes any sense. Right. When they have the actual culprit, this is the only argument that can be made. Yes. So again, the Sam Shepard trial. So Sam Shepard, who was not the famous author, who's still alive, right? Sam Shepard's still around. I think so. The playwright and the, yeah. you know. Yes. A great actor. Oh, yes, he is. Yeah. So Sam Shepard, who this refers to, was a doctor in the 50s who went to jail for murdering his wife and... It became sort of a famous thing at the time that I don't know that this is a, a trial that has really lived on in the memory, but it did inspire a bunch of stuff. They they think that the the fugitive TV show 
was partly at least based on that trial because it was such a, a random thing. Like he claimed that somebody broke into their house and killed her while he was asleep in the other room, which sounds like complete horseshit. But over the years, there is some evidence this is actually possibly true. Effley Bailey's involvement does actually make it seem more likely that he's guilty, but there does <laughs> seem to be this preponderance of evidence that possibly he didn't do it. It just seems like a bunch of nonsense. Yeah. So, so then when there was a second trial years later, his lawyer died, and that's how F. Lee Bailey got involved in this. Mm-hmm. In this very roundabout way. But he was in jail for like a decade before that happened. Yeah. And I think F. Lee Bailey, you know, came to get this reputation of defending people who did it. But yeah. but the reason that he was able to be F. Lee Bailey is because he defended this person who you don't know if he did it. Right. right. There's a legitimate debate. Yeah. And so he did get Sam Shepard off in the second trial because the first trial was this big circus trial for the fifties. And that was part of the defense was just that he couldn't get a fair trial, which also sounds like the guy's guilty, but they did manage to present other people as possibly being the culprit. And there was like, it was like a handyman or some, you know, they sounded kind of random. It was like a drifter, like, you know, but there was one guy who had worked at their house or whatever and seemed to have some, infatuation with his wife and and he's the guy they actually think did it now not everybody thinks that there was a guy i guess who wrote a book with f lee bailey about this trial and that guy was not comfortable with any of this because he did think shepherd did it so i don't know a lot of people with access to the evidence it seems to go both ways but shepherd after all of this happened after he's in jail for a decade he gets out and i just think it's funny his post jail life which only lasted a couple more years was he immediately gets out of jail, but he marries this German woman whose half-sister was married to Joseph Goebbels <laughs> in World War II. Oh, my God. And if I don't know if you know the, uh, the history of what happened to the Goebbels family, but when it was all falling apart in the spring of 45, uh, Goebbels and his wife killed all their children and then killed themselves. Oh, so my God. She does not make it into this story. Sure. So Sam Shepard marries this woman who then cre- brings in all of this sort of controversy. They like met while he's in prison. She's like his pen pal or whatever. Yep. And then he becomes a professional wrestler what? for a couple of years <laughs> as killer Sam Shepard. Oh no. <laughs> That's his actual wrestler. Name. Oh like, no. Like, come on. And he would do these moves that are like, I don't know. It was a, the, the one they keep pointing to was the mandible, the mandible claw, which then became mankind's move. Years later, it's a very, it's a very unscientific wrestling move where you just grab the person's lower jaw and that's it. And it's it's supposed to be a submission move, but it's stupid, like unbelievably stupid. But he did it because he was a doctor, so they thought, oh, the mandible, this will be this great thing. And so yeah, he was the killer. He was killer Sam Shepard for a couple of years, and then he straight drank himself to death. And he yeah, died in 1973. Well, so like the trials in the 50s, the second trial is like 66. And then a couple years, and that was. I it. mean, that's an if I did it style pivot. Like that is right. That is that's crazy. <laughs> like imagine you're F. Lee Bailey, and you're building everything on the reputation of this, and your client, who you've now gotten out of jail, starts calling himself Killer Sam Shepard. <laughs> Not good. Not, Not good. great. Not great. Well, that is amazing. After the Sam Shepard trial. F. Lee Bailey goes on to do a number of different things, including defending the Boston Strangler. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely did it. Definitely did it. But it does seem like F. Lee Bailey, I don't know if you read more about this than I did, but like 
found him uh, enabled it so that he was found guilty of fewer things right. than the stranglings. Like he was already in jail. That was the yeah. thing with with Albert DeSalvo is he was in jail for rape. Because whenever they do the Boston Strangler, there's a couple different nicknames. And it's because they realized all of these different people were the same person. Yeah. And so he was in jail for the Green Man rape, a series of rapes. And so I think what F. Lee Bailey managed was to have him avoid the death penalty, which became a, a popular F. Lee Bailey move. And that was like how he actually helped Albert DeSalvo helped because then Albert DeSalvo got murdered in prison like two years later. So it, it didn't help that much. But that was yeah, that was what happened with the, the Boston Strangler. Nice. Uh, nailed it. Yeah. I would yeah. say way to go. F. Lee Bailey uh, also uh, defended a guy named Carl Copolino, who probably killed his neighbor, who was also his girlfriend's husband mm. and his own wife. F. Lee Bailey defended him in the trial of killing his neighbor, which he was acquitted of. But then he was found guilty of killing his own wife. So yikes. Yeah. You can see how he got on the OJ defense team. Yeah, 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 he did a lot of things like that where where he defended people who did it. Spouse, and, spouse murderers. Yeah, spouse murderers. Spouse, that was one of his main things. Yeah, yeah, heavy in the spouse murderers. Patty Hearst. Do we want to talk about Patty Hearst? Yeah, I mean, well, I do think it's interesting. I think the Patty Hearst thing is a little controversial, and I I don't really have a great opinion. I've read some books on this. Like I I mm -hmm. know a lot about the Patty Hearst situation, yeah. the Symbionese uh, Liberation Army, but the problem is that. Patty Hearst's defense, her personal defense is very much that she was brainwashed. And that's that's a hard thing to counteract. But she was a very unpopular person after this because she was this rich kid who did get kidnapped and brought into this and, and got raped and was, you know, it's a bad situation. But she did very much become a bank robber where they killed people. So, you know, it's hard. It's hard to really take a good opinion on this. But Effley Billy's defense does sound like it was terrible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so did not uh, did not serve Patty terribly well. Yeah, she said he spilled water on himself while he was delivering the the closing argument. Not yeah. great. Not great, my friend. I feel like he might have been there for the those uh, Hearst paychecks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then while, like we talked about before, while he was defending OJ, he defended this guy who was like a marijuana dealer. And the, the crime and stuff doesn't really all matter all that much, but the key is that while he was working on that trial, he transferred like $5 million worth of stock into his own like account. And the stock appreciated to like $20 million. And so the government tried to tried to take that back because it was property of the person he was defending, not his own property. And he had this whole argument about how it was his legal fees or he should get the amount that it like increased while he had it. And he got disbarred. For yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that whole Claude DeBach case is pretty confusing. Like I, I when I wrote the death pool post for this, I wanted to like get into that because it's it's weird that this is how he ends up getting disbarred when he's had this whole career of all sorts of shady, you know, legal practices, but legal stuff. And then this is what undoes him when he's, you know, pushing 70. He decides to kind of rob this client sort of of all of this like stock money. It was a weird yeah. move. And, yeah. and Effley Bailey did try to stay a lawyer. Kept he he took the bar again in Maine or something some years later, and they said no. Yeah, yeah. But, no, he tried several times to take the bar in Maine, but he was in jail for like forty four days on contempt of court over this because he yeah. was 
very upset, I guess, when yeah. what they were trying to take all of his money, which makes sense. But part of the reason that he never got his license back to practice in Maine is that he still owed the government like $2 million in taxes, too. Nope. So even like one of the judgments, I mean, he tried three or four times to get relicensed, I guess, in Maine. And one of the judgments was like, you're pretty close, but you got to pay this money. And I'm not sure he ever did. So overall, F. Lee Bailey, kind of some sleazy uh, dealings. I do want to tell my favorite F. Lee Bailey story that I learned about through this process, which is... In the 80s, he was arrested for drunk driving. He had Bob Shapiro help him on the case, and he was acquitted. Um, So not a big surprise there. But he was so enraged by the process that he wrote a book about this. And the book was titled How to Protect Yourself Against Cops in California and Other Strange Places, which they say alleged serious abuses by police that argued. And he argued, this is the best part. He argued that drunk driving is just a number. It's not a condition. (laughs) So he was arguing for driving under a certain amount of intoxication and that like cops were using the like blood alcohol level numbers to like unfairly arrest people who were driving impaired and just like the idea that this is a guy that argues for drunk driving makes me think he's maybe not the best guy around maybe not but what i do like about that is you can then draw a very direct line from that in the early 80s about mm-hmm. how he's writing books about how lousy cops in california are yeah directly to the oj trial yeah totally and this is his defense he's like i got it these cops yeah. suck <laughs> agree he was like oh, yeah i've man. been on this since day one I mean, F. Lee Bailey, criminal genius. I don't know. It's it's hard to it's hard to argue. Like this was a guy who pulled himself up from almost nothing. Like he didn't come from a ton of money. His no. family like was okay. Like they did all right, but he wasn't like a rich kid or anything. And then you know he went into the army. He went he went to Harvard. Like he was he graduated at the top of his class, I think, from Boston University. Like yep. this is somebody who made something of himself, but then took this very odd moral left turn at some point and decided this is where the money is or this is just the challenge. I'm going to defend these people, you know? I think he was all about the Benjamins. Mm. And in that way, I think you have to, like, acknowledge that at least you knew what he stood for, right? I mean, I guess it's nice to know what you're getting involved in. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I mean, considering that, like, he's not even really one of the more talked about people from... The OJ trial itself. I mean, you can now look at it and be like, he's the architect of a lot of that actual strategy. But I think Johnny Cochran was so much the face of everything. Yeah. After a point that like that's his the closing argument and him with the glove and all that's all the famous stuff. Yeah. That, you know, F. Lee Bailey was kind of the man behind the scenes. But like he was somebody whose name, you know, you knew you even knew at the time. Like I yeah. wasn't real familiar with the rest of his legal life. But he was still a figure. And to get that way, just being a defense lawyer. Yeah. Not bad. I mean, he wrote a book near the end of his life. Like it just came out in the last year or so. That was, I forget exactly the title, but it was basically like the the OJ defense or about the OJ trial. But the subtitle was from the architect of the defense. So he saw himself that way as well. And then also, if you go to his company's webpage, he was writing like opinion pieces about the Georgia runoff elections in 2021. That was beginning this year, right? Yeah, like the Georgia runoffs because he moved to Atlanta near the end of his life. And he was writing about just politics. He did an episode of a podcast where he basically compares the Chauvin 
trial and like the argument to the shepherd trial and argument, which doesn't really make a ton of sense to me. So, but I haven't listened to it. So yeah. if you're interested in that kind of thing, go to fleebaileyconsulting.com in the <laughs> news section and you can find out uh, what F. Lee Bailey had to say about Derek Chauvin if you're really all that interested. I mean, he he clearly had an interesting legal mind. It might not yeah. have been the most up on the up and up. It might have, you know, might have been a little bit in legalese and sort of some backroom stuff. But, you know, if you can get through the system somehow and, and you can build a career defending a couple legitimate monsters, you know, and Patty Hearst, I, that's not bad. That's a pretty yeah. good track record. I don't know a lot of defense lawyers you can immediately go to and be like a name that people would know. I mean, most of them are OJ related, I suppose. Lerner and Rowe, they're the lawyers for you. Two, 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 twenty-two, twenty-two. Oh, Gloria Allred. Yes, that's yes, that's her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the thing about Gloria Allred, if I if I'm remembering her correctly, is she kind of flipped, didn't she? She used to defend like women who were bringing sexual assault cases, and then she flipped to defend. Um, I don't think she defended Harvey. No, I think she no, she didn't defend that. Harvey. No, her daughter is like was one of Harvey's lawyers. Oh, one of Gloria Allred's daughters. Yeah, her name's wow. Lisa Bloom, and she hates her mother. Yeah, she advised she advised Harvey Weinstein, though she did represent women who had claims against Bill O'Reilly. I think what happened with her is she's Gloria Allred's daughter, but she was found to be consulting to Harvey on his defense. And so it was like, it was controversial because while she has worked for women, she like weighed in using her expertise to, to help Harvey. That's odd. Yeah. I don't know. I was just, I was trying to think of like famous defense lawyer and there's really i don't know i don't know that there's really that many it's sort of more of a modern thing but even that seems to be sort of from the the 90s because the menendez brothers i want to say like bob shapiro was their lawyer is that right there's some oj lawyer who was their lawyer too and then yeah like i was thinking like alan dershowitz but that's again because of the movie he was klaus von bulow's lawyer and then honestly what like clarence darrow but i like that's so far back yeah i don't actually know who else you would even say yeah. Daniel Webster in that trial with the devil. Like we're going back a bit. Yeah. Going back. I, I think that's a different kind of lawyering. Yeah. That far back. That's probably true. Yeah. I guess that's about it. I don't know. I, I'm trying to think like, it seems that there should be more famous people who were defense lawyers who then did something else with their career. Like, I don't know. Like Mills Lane. I don't know. Judge <laughs> like, <laughs> Judy. Was she a defense lawyer at one point? I don't think so. I don't think I don't think a lot of defense lawyers go on to do anything other than write books about the people they defended. Right. It's not like yeah. that's a path into politics like being a no, prosecutor no. is. Right. Well, I was just thinking kind of like Effley Bailey was also like a chat show host or something or an, a TV interviewer yeah. in the 60s a after he had all this fame. And yeah. before he started getting into really wildly controversial trials and stuff. So but I can't think of anybody really like that, you know, in the modern day either. So. And I, I mean, just well, think what Rudy Giuliani. Oh God! <laughs> I guess he did get into he was a defense lawyer. I didn't realize that. Wasn't he Trump's lawyer? Oh well, he went from politics to defense lawyer, right? But right. he wasn't a defense lawyer. He wasn't. He was Trump's advising attorney. Like I don't know. I mean, I think ultimately he is a defense lawyer, but he was bringing lawsuits on behalf of Trump. Yeah, I don't know that he was. And like, but Trump wasn't on trial, and so no, in, in that same way. But I think it was always just the idea that he was the name lawyer connected to Trump because Trump couldn't get like real oh, lawyers. He had yeah, to get a bunch of, of these. Yeah. What was her name? Sydney 
Sidney Powell. Yeah. So, I mean, he's got a bunch of random people working for him. Yeah. Well, F. Lee Bailey. Yeah. Who really, who would you like to see us actually talk about OJ trial wise? I mean, we've now, this is probably going to be episode, I don't know, 20, something like that. Yep. And this is only the third, this is the third time we've talked about OJ, but one of them was Naked Gun 33 and a third. Is there really much to go into OJ wise? We've talked about this before a little bit that because the trial was so covered and is so famous, I don't know that there's a lot of purpose in us talking about other people or even a lot of aspects of it that are really connected to that event. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think the, (laughs) I know our podcast is supposed to be like light and funny, but if I'm going to talk about OJ, what I probably want to talk about is Marsha Clark Ah. and the, her terrible treatment by the patriarchy of 1994. So look, I'm going to let you decide whether or not that's appropriate for our light and funny podcast. I guess, see, I guess the problem is that it only, it feel it feels like it puts me in a bad position because there's no <laughs> other side of it. <laughs> like, I mean, you can argue that, yes, she deserved all the no, flack she got for how terrible her hair was. No, no, no. That's not <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> but yeah, no, I get your point. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, it, honestly, it's a little bit like the OJ trial itself. Like we yeah. talked about this before we recorded is the idea is like, well, what if we were to talk about who else could have done it? Or what if OJ was innocent? How do you actually propose talking about that? And then you start wandering down avenues of like of, of like LAPD racism and arguing against that becomes so complicated and so yeah. uncomfortable and so wrong that I don't yeah. know that it's worth talking about. I don't know that that's actually interesting to listen to. Because I think the hard part is it feels like as you have the discussion, it can't be true that both A, the LAPD is racist and B, OJ did it. Like both of those things are likely true, but yeah. that's not a very interesting discussion because there's no. not a lot of debate there, right? No. Like I'm not saying F. Lee Bailey was wrong. I'm not saying Mark Furman didn't have bias in how he handled things. It's been a long time since I've looked at the details of the case, but like I genuinely believe that most cops are racist and or at least have some kind of unconscious bias as do all people but i do think that like also oj did it so i mean look both both of these things things can can be true true. yeah yeah okay well i guess that kind of wraps it up for f lee bailey i feel like we've covered a lot i Um, i I agree i do want to get back to my earlier idea to play us out is well what if jimmy stewart did play f lee bailey (laughs) what if it's a wonderful life is actually about f lee bailey's defense of oj All right. Well, while Joe does that, because I cannot stop him uh, from doing a good impression once he gets jar. one in his head, uh, uh, I'll just uh, say to you guys, okay. thank you guys for listening donna, donna. to our wonderful he, dissertation he, he, on Ashley Bailey. I hope you loved yeah. it. I hope you uh, learned you know, something. I hope you, you are interested. You I don't know. I uh, hope you found it entertaining. Um, I certainly did. So we'll see y'all next time when we will talk about some other defense lawyer. No, not really. Something else for me to do. All right. See you later, guys. Bye. These racists come and they're calling them the N-word. They're N-word this and N-word that. And OJ's just trying to do his best. This has been It Happened One Year. Please take a minute to rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever they allow ratings. Please follow us on Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please follow us on all relevant and irrelevant social media. See ya! talked to Mrs. Bailey earlier, and she's only wife number three. The defense rests.